Episode 109 of the Sleeper in the Bus podcast brought to you by Fangraphs.com. I'm your host, Jason Collette, but I'm joined by a different co-host tonight. As we talked about Thursday night, uh, Eno's got the weekends off, so starting on Sunday nights, Nick Minix will be joining me. Good afternoon for you, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to join you uh, to replace Eno, who is a slacker for not working on weekends. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, not butchering this nearly as, as much as I fear that I will. <laughs> Don't worry about it. We got, I mean, basically, when we had mentioned a couple of weeks ago to people, hey, let's do a Sunday one, all of a sudden they're like, oh, God, yeah, we would love a Sunday show. Uh, and then Eno asked me like a week and a half, two weeks ago, hey, what are you doing about Nick? I'm like, Oh, hire him, please. I need somebody on Sunday. So this works out This works out well because the last thing I wanted was me doing a solo show on Sunday. That would have been horrendous. Uh, today what we're going to do is talk about uh, changes in the rotations because since the, the Thursday show there have been a few. Uh, shocking, there have been some bullpen issues too. Uh, nobody's been hurt yet, uh, but that's happening. We have some guys that are on their way back from injury quite a bit. You know, we had a, a couple today uh, that got back uh, Saturday and Sunday that got back in the lineup. Uh, some guys that are dinged up again. And then we're going to talk about uh, some two-start pitches. There's quite a bit this week, and I think there's some a few intriguing ones there, so we're going to break down those guys. Uh, starting in the rotation, I think Eno and I hinted at this on Thursday when Joe Kelly went down with the hamstring, and this is my annual rant, pitchers hitting suck. Stop making them hit. They get hurt. Nothing good comes from it. Uh, and in this case, Joe Kelly's going to be out for quite some time, and a lot of people are running to their free agent pile to go pick up Carlos Martinez. And that didn't happen. Instead, they are going to call up Tyler Lyons, who was a lefty who was in the same slot. So there's no extra work that needs to be done down there. They were on the same schedule. So he will be in place there, and he is going to start tomorrow. And I forget the matchup who they have, but he's coming up. I think they're facing the Mets tomorrow. That sounds that sounds right. Okay, so uh-huh. he's going to he's gonna be up, and... Uh, so right away, he's going to be a two-start guy. The way that reads, that's going to be a nice situation for him. And we talk, his, his numbers were pretty good down in the minor leagues. Good strikeout rate doesn't hurt himself. He's been down in the minor leagues for quite some time. So it's not, yeah, he is facing the Mets and, and Henry Mejia tomorrow. So it's not like uh, we're talking about a guy who's got limited exposure. That's always been one of my issues is I want a guy who's got decent amount of time in AAA. And so he's had, a, I believe, about 200 innings down there. So it works out. Do you have any thoughts on Lions and, and any reservations about putting him in your lineup right away well um I, I mean no more so than i think any other pitcher who's been called up to me the uh the metrics i mean uh, as far as pretty solid strikeout rate a uh, very low walk rate i mean those are the kind of things we all love when we're taking chances on guys like that i really wouldn't i mean you have to love the matchup against the mets i know uh, other than a couple of uh, kind of out of out of nowhere surprises um they've been atrocious against left-handed pitching this year i happen to know that and i, I think that this is it's a good way to start the week. I'm not sure what the tail end matchup is. That usually tends to be what dictates how much I'd be willing to do. But I, I, I would be willing to give him a shot in a lot of, especially deep leagues. Yeah, sometimes when a, if a matchup's so good for me, I don't have a problem letting a guy. Uh, Pittsburgh's the other matchup. 
in the backside. He'll be going up against Liriano later this week. Uh, so that's something to, to look at for people. But for me, I have no problem. I tried to bid aggressively for him, and I was outbidding my home league. Our fab happens on Thursday nights, and I put in – we have a $100 budget, and I put in 7 and somebody bid 10 uh, So he has him in that league. Um, Ivan Nova, the game – was I at that one? Nope, I missed that one. That was last night. Ivan Nova is likely done for the season, has a partially torn UCL. We all know where this is going to go. Uh, so don't worry about him going to go see the surgeon, whatever. He, he's useless for you in 2014. Even if he doesn't have surgery, this is like Jaime Garcia. He's useless. The thing is, we don't know who's going to take his place yet. Uh, there's been talk about David Phelps, but Phelps pitched in relief today for them. Uh, in that 13-inning game, he pitched in relief in about the 6th or 7th inning coming in after uh, for Vidal Nuno. <laughs> In that case, so we don't know who's going to be the replacement. It may be Phelps uh, in this situation, but because uh, he was one of the final cuts in the, in spring training for this. But Nova, if you have him, dump him. There's no, there's nothing good here. Speaking of dumped, uh, Lucas Harrell is dumped out of the Astros rotation. Uh, it didn't work out for him. This is a sinker ball pitcher. It was more stinker ball than sinker ball uh, in here in April. And Brad Peacock, a guy that I talked about quite a bit back and uh, during the offseason, is back in the rotation. He did pitch today against Oakland for his first start. Brad Peacock went five innings, gave up five hits, uh, two runs, three walks, four strikeouts, and a home run to Josh Donaldson. What are your thoughts on Peacock? Uh, well, I mean, the as far as the skill goes, I mean, the, the ability to strike out, I think, eight or nine for nine innings in the majors. Um, the walks, I think, I mean, he's he's going to be one of these pitchers who's incredibly unpredictable. I mean, I, as opposed to going from consistently putting up, uh, using the HQ uh, kind of developed thing, the, the PQS doms and all that stuff, right. I mean, he'd be one five one five instead of your consistent threes. And so you have to, I mean, you have to look at this uh, This guy to me as a player who's incredibly unpredictable, but there's some upside there. I mean, 15-team mixed league, I mean, any, anything shallower than a 15-team mixed league, I wouldn't be looking at a guy like this, obviously. But um, I, I think for the strikeout potential alone, somebody that I could put at the end of my roster and and, and kind of give me that, especially if it's a guy that, uh, or if it's if it's a team where I've built up a lot, a lot of solid whip foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm in and the I same think, boat. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, that's okay. Well, actually, I was I wanted to make a point about the uh, the Yanks as far as the as far as Nova go the Nova replacement went. I know that I mean they threw Vidal Nuno in, and I think that he's to me he's an intriguing option as well. He's kind of uh, similar as far uh, as far as he and Phelps the ability to swing and uh, to uh, to start as well. I think and the Yanks have always been kind of high on him. I, he got the start today. I know that uh, I mean he and he pitched pretty well, or at least the results were good. There's a reason behind that too, but. <laughs> Yeah, there's, I knew he, and I didn't see all that. I didn't see most of that start, but I saw kind of the tail end of it. I know he worked out his way out of a few jams, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm not sure. But to me, he's got okay strikeout potential. But for the most part, especially through the minors, he limited walks, and I'd be interested to see if that's uh, that's kind of something that uh, continues as far as on the major league level. And uh, the problem is, is of course the the home stadium as far as home runs go, and then also I'd be interested to see long term. Uh, much later in the season if this doesn't lead to an eventual early promotion for a Jose Ramirez or if Manny Benuelos doesn't work things out. But for the most part, I think the Yankees option is, is, is again, this is a, this is strictly deep league material. But Yeah, here's the thing with, with Dudon. The numbers look good today, and the reason because the, the Rays are god-awful against left-handed pitching. And it, the, when I was over there on Friday night up in the press box, I walked over to Yankee Rider, and I was asking him, hey, how long do you think Nuno's going to go on Sunday? He's like, who knows? The guy, he's terrible. I'm like, if you were left-handed, I would take you for five innings against the Rays. He looked at me. I'm like, yes, they're that bad. Sure enough, he gives up. He gives up one run in five innings against them, or even maybe shut out. I forget exactly, but you know, he shut them down. It's just 
paints the corners. It looked a lot like Jason Vargas to me, to be honest with you. I mean, physically, in the face, the body type, and the stuff, it looked like Jason Vargas. I thought the Yankees had traded for him or something. Uh, but that's just something to keep an eye on. So the numbers may be encouraging, but understand the Rays are so terrible against left-handed pitching. It's not funny. I mean, look at this Yankee series. They scored two runs against Sabathia. They scored one run in the start with Nuno, and they scored 16 and 11 when a right-handed pitcher, a pitcher was on the mound to start that game. So that's how it is. Hey. That guy was in the midst of tearing his UCL. Come on. Come <laughs> well, on. what about what's the excuse for uh, no, Corona? <laughs> that's, a, that's a total joke. Yes. No, that's... <laughs> uh, and the other one is Brandon Maurer uh, pitched today. and only went four innings because he wasn't terribly stretched out. He was in there because Blake Beaven has a sore shoulder. This Either way, this is going to be a temporary thing. Iwakuma seems to be about a week to 10 days back from uh, away from joining the rotation. He threw 55 pitches on Saturday and was able to throw all of his pitches. The most important thing is he could actually throw the splitter. That's been the big thing. We talked about this last week. You know, he had a 35 and a 45 pitch session, but it was all fastballs and changeups. I don't care what he's doing with those. I care about the splitter. Uh, and he's throwing it now, reporting no issues, uh, and that's good news. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's not there's not too much else to go into other than that. I mean, Ma, I think uh, Maro, to me, still is a guy kind of in the long term to keep in the back of your mind. I think that there's a lot of strikeout potential there as well, but uh, he's, I mean, he's a guy who's not stretched out well enough and is probably not going to have enough time to make an impact. Yeah, uh, agree. He's had some splits issues, uh, and that's really the big thing with him is if you, you know, he gets in a lineup that's loaded with lefties, that's where you can really get to him because he does a good right. He's, he's got more of a closed delivery, so, you know, he's kind of a crossfire a little bit, but the breaking ball really moves away from righties. Uh, bullpen, because yeah, every week is something else happening. Uh, the Mets uh, removed one smoke and mirror <laughs> issue and put in another one. Jose Valverde out. Farnsworth in, trash out, trash in, in my opinion. I, I don't know about the, I mean, when you look at the skills, there's really nothing to differentiate these two. Farnsworth has a lower strikeout rate. They have the same walk rate. The only difference is Farnsworth has thrown a few more strikes, and he's getting guys to chase pitches out of the zone. If they stop chasing, he's in trouble. I don't think they're going to have another closer before Memorial Day. That's what my opinion is. What's yours? Uh, well, that, uh, first of all, it wouldn't surprise me in the least uh, to, to – I mean, that, I think that's where the smart money goes. I think Farnsworth has uh, more of a better foundation to succeed than Valverde when you're talking about strictly about the strikeouts. And I think Farnsworth has, um, in the past few years, has at least laid a foundation to, to reduce his walk rate, to be better there than Valverde is. I mean, he just looks like uh, a walk waiting to happen in most of his outings, whereas Farnsworth is kind of like a controlled aggression. But – it's interesting to me. I noticed, I mean, he's uh, since he's joined the Mets, I mean, it's, it's funny that they cut him loose and had to re-sign him to a minor league deal, and now suddenly he's the closer uh, three <laughs> weeks into the season. But um, he's throwing like 75% sinkers. Uh, I mean, that's a, a pitch he kind of gradually in the past couple of years moved into his repertoire, and now that's suddenly that's pretty much the crux of it. So you're not going to get a, a, a raised strikeout rate here. I mean, you're talking probably in the sixes, uh, which is where it's going to remain. But uh, – Maybe the sinker is something I'm, – I'm not sure uh, offhand what the metrics are to say about the Mets' defense. I can't imagine it's great when you have like a Dan and Murphy at second base and uh, whoever's playing first base. Uh, I don't imagine it's going to be uh, tremendously good, but uh, per, perhaps the ground ball rate is really going to help them there. It's not necessarily the ideal ball, ballpark, but uh, also facing a lot of the NL East teams. I mean, there's some pretty bad teams in the NL East, so – 
maybe some things that work out there, but not a, not a lot. A guy I'm looking to invest a lot of money in and hoping to save my season in the saves department. Exactly. I mean, this is when people were like, "Hey, how much money should I put in on Jose Valverde?" I kept saying zero. <laughs> people want <laughs> how much zero? Do not. This is not going to last. And I would give the same advice with Kyle Farnsworth. These are the skills I'm talking about: strikeout rate. Valverde 25%, Farnsworth 17. 17 is way below the average for a closer. I mean, just way. And the, the average strikeout rate for a closer is in the upper, to, the mid to upper 20s. And this talk, we're talking 17%. Walk rate 8% to 7%, negligible. Miss swing and miss rate. Valverde actually had more swings and misses. Valverde threw more strikes. Valverde was in the strike zone more often. The only difference, Farnsworth is getting 36% of the swings out of the zone. Valverde was 23, and that's because, and what we, even when I talked about with Jose Valverde, this is simple. Make him throw fastballs, spit on the splitter. If you could pick up splitter out of his hand, you let it go. If it's a fastball, you pounce on it. And that's what guys were doing, and finally the Mets said enough's enough, and we're going to put Farnsworth in there. Again, I don't even know, today's April 20th, he'll make it out of, he'll make it out of April. I'll, yeah. I, you know, I'll move my deadline up. He won't be the closer by Mother's Day. They will have found something, another option by Mother's Day. That gives him Mother's Day eleventh. That? That's it's gonna be three weeks. Okay, third Sunday in May, is second, that how it goes? Second Sunday. Okay. Alright. I'll move up my deadline. I say Mother's Day. What say you? I'm gonna take the over on that. I think he I mean, I think he lasts beyond it. I I'm not I would I would not have been willing to go past Memorial Day. Okay. I'll see. <laughs> So no no Boxing Day no it's July no I mean that's <laughs> no, December I mean the thing, what's like well, the, the, the Canada Day is, Canada Day that's the one I'm thinking of and the thing is I mean what you really have to look at yes it's it's some of the some of this is going to depend on how Farnsworth performs but also what are the Mets' alternatives and it's what it's Gonzalez Fermat and he has struggled really I think in a few outings I'm not sure exactly what his numbers look like to be honest but uh, he was a guy that they had looked at before. And really, I mean, it ends up being is it uh, I get the two confused all the time. It's Mejia and who's the other one. Uh, uh, wild youngster, great K potential. German, um, German. Familiar. Oh, Jerry's familiar. Uh, familiar. Yeah, yeah. He's in, and now too, and and this is the kind of guy again. We has been spotlighted as a potential long term closer for them, and maybe they maybe they uh, they increase the uh, what is the track to for him to get into that role. But uh, you know, reality is, is Farnsworth's going to get a little time to do it, and just the question is, is does he put up the kind of numbers or does he put up something like a three or four ERA and say, and give them enough excuses for a month, month and a half, right. or does he get blown up in one or two of them and uh, make it look really bad? And then they're, they're suddenly saying, let's take a look at some of these options and see what we can uh, put, uh, what kind of bandaid we can put on this situation. Sure. I mean, that'll have, like I said, I, I, I'm not even putting a dollar in on him. I didn't even try to run around in my league to pick him up. Sometimes I have some, you know, fastest finger leagues. I'm like, nope, let somebody else, some, one of the guys in my league, uh, somebody had posted out, you know, pick up Farnsworth, do this, and somebody else comes in and is like, oh, damn you. And I was like, no, don't curse him. Thank him. He, he saved yeah. you a lot of headaches. As yeah. Luke Gregerson picked up his third save today for Oakland. They are still a true closer by committee, but he got the third save today. I mentioned that because we know that Sean Doolittle signed an extension of uh, a five-year deal, upwards of seven years. And so he's now, that kind of leashes off him. You know what I have talked about the fact that sometimes teams will slow down saves because saves get expensive in arbitration. Just ask just ask the Phillies with Papelbon, uh, the Red Sox with Papelbon at the time. That's why Don't the ask. Braves. That's why the Braves went out and signed uh, 
Kimbrel because that gets expensive. And, and you know, and I had opined that that's why that's why Doolittle wasn't getting that role. That's why Jake McGee hasn't gotten that role with, with Tampa Bay. And now that that's off, there's a good chance that Doolittle could start getting these saves. But right now, this truly does feel like a, a closer by committee. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I mean, I think um, it's. I think it's going to feel for, uh, like a committee. I mean, it's certainly it felt like a committee. They haven't shown any tendency that they're willing to move away from that. To me, I mean, I thought when this situation first popped up, I thought it's a shame Ryan Cook came, uh, just is coming out the DL because to me he's always been the guy right. that it's um, kind of most exemplified uh, a, a, a closer. Is that a word? I can't remember. But anyway, for me. I, I th- <laughs> uh, and I think uh, and but that's what I was thinking when the extension came about. Okay, okay this is this is a guy who I mean. Uh, contracts don't have to dictate anything here. Uh, Doolittle could easily factor in as far as the saves go. Uh, Eric or Flaherty could back, come in now, and they, they don't have to necessarily use the excuse to save the left-hander. Although Doolittle can get guys out from both sides of the of, of the batter's box. Right. Um, so, I mean, if it, it, yeah, I think that's certainly a possibility. Jim Johnson has pitched well, uh, at least as far as the results are concerned. Since so, uh-huh. uh, I, I mean, he picked up a, a save, like a two-inning save or a win or something the other night. There, the, so he's he's going to factor. I mean, something I said a week ago. He's going to he's going to get the job back at some point. I mean, there's no question about that. I, I think eventually it's going to come into that situation. I mean, this is a guy that they traded for, and he's getting paid ten million bucks this year or something like that. So, uh, I, I think it's certainly a, a possibility that uh, remains a, a committee for a little while. Um, but uh, I, I look for Johnson to eventually get it back, and eventually I think he'll just end up giving him a reason to go back to a committee or name someone else too. So. Uh, but and Doolittle could easily be the guy. I, I, to me, it's still a look at Cook. I think Gregerson will have some adjustments. I mean, he blew one the other day. I, I, I think he's going to have some adjustments to pitching against AL-type uh, uh, lineups and things like that. He's right. not pitching against San Diego, although Oakland is Oakland might be a better place to pitch than San Diego is nowadays. But um, uh, overall, it just it, it has a feel of uh, there's no certainty there. At least the pitchers there are really good no matter what. It's funny when you look at their their box scores. We have three different relievers that have wins, and we have three different relievers that have save totals. Dan Otero has three wins. I mean, we've got guys that are dying. Does you Darvish even won a game yet? I've got. I know I have Darvish and Shields and Tout. And I think I have one win between the two pitchers, uh, and I'm absolutely dying on the vine there. But you know, that's how that bullpen is being used so far. There's a lot of uh, cleanup and, and swing action um, there for them, so they're getting it done. Uh, they today, Gregerson got that third save against the Astros, uh, who Chad Qualls blew it big time yesterday. Uh, gave up the gave up the home run to Reddick. Uh, came in for that save, didn't get it. I heard today on MLB Network Radio when when uh, Duquette and Bowden were interviewing Jeff Luno that Chad Qualls has been fighting the flu bug for about a week. And, and I know there's been a few guys in that clubhouse that have been fighting it. Uh, Alex Presley's one of them right now, too. So maybe that was the case. But he certainly didn't look good. Now, he's had the chance. He hasn't gotten it done. Um, they've given saves uh, to Anthony Bass. I think Matt Albers has one, or he's looked good in relief doing it. Uh, Jesse Crane's not too far off from coming back. I don't think the situation's changed at all. It's just going to be somebody's going to pick it up. It's like you're going to bench the guy. He's going to end up getting a save or two. Right now, I mean, the Astros simply aren't winning games. And I think they're – see what they started off 2-0, and they are 3-13 and cents now. So yeah, that's one of the – they're back to their old tracks. Somebody's going to get saves here, but I don't know. We still don't know who it is. And then lastly – Jason Grilly was simply owned by Ryan Braun twice this weekend. Uh, both times Grilly came in, and both times Ryan Braun hit home runs off him. Yeah, and I mean, I think uh, the question is, I guess, 
is it is it necessarily something that is it just you know one of those guys that Braun quote unquote sees really well, or is it just uh, is it a case where Gurley is maybe not quite living? I haven't looked at. I'm, that's a situation I'd be interested in. I want to look at uh, some of Gurley's numbers. Is there something you know is is something about the velocity or the or, uh, location or anything like that that he's not doing well, or is it or is it just simply again that it's, it's a Braun owning Gurley type thing? Here's the thing that that worries me with him with with Gurley. The swing and miss rate is where it's always been. I'm looking at his miss rates, and, and they're just identical right across the board. The big difference is the amount of pitches that are being put into play. I mean, these are this is in 2012, 25% of his pitches were put into play. 2013, 27-7. This year, 40.4%. And that directly hmm. relates to his strikeout rate, which has been 37% each of the past two seasons. It's 20% now. Again, 20% is league average, but that's not closer average. Closer average is in the mid to upper 20s, and his walk rate is nearly doubled from 6.4 to 11.4%. This is this is not solid footing. I mean, we know that he's got Mark Melanson behind him, who is definitely qualified to do the role. He proved it last year. I mean, right now, I don't like this grill. I mean, 35% on base percentage for his opponents, 801 OPS against. Those are bad. If I took away the name and say, "Hey, look at these numbers," you probably turn up your nose. And this is where we are with Jason Gurley right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't disagree with that. I think, I mean, the thing that stands out most about the situation is that they have um, an obvious alternative in Melanson, a guy who did the job while Gurley was out last season. And I, um, the, the thing is, and this is a situation I look at. Well, first of all, as far as Gurley is concerned, I mean, if he's if he's getting that many balls put into play, what is he not doing to put what, put guys away that he wasn't doing that he was uh, doing in the past? Uh, if he's still getting the swing and risk, miss rate, especially, so that's, uh, I mean, is this is this kind of a fluke? Is he just uh, is something else affecting him? Um, but uh, I, I I look at this also, and this is this is the kind of thing I look at when I, I look at saves quite a bit is uh, tendencies of managers. I mean, I'm sure we all try to factor this into some degree, but knowing uh, I think uh, going back to last season when he handed the job back eventually to Grilly when he came off the DL wasn't right. something he did way. Uh, but Melanson blew a couple of saves, and this was a situation where nobody really knew, and I expected Gurley to get the ball back eventually in the ninth because uh, Hurdle, I mean, be it, he was in, when he was closer in Colorado a few years ago, uh, what led to his firing, I think I think this contributed. It was a number of other things. I think Colorado was kind of underachieving at the time, but um, that uh, Houston Street's the guy that they brought in, traded for specifically to be the closer, and he took him out of the closer role a couple of weeks into the season and put in Manny Benuelos, who was coming off uh, some mild injury problems and it really impressed him in the spring, but had not really proven that he was all the way back. Or I'm not sorry, Manny uh, Manuel Corpus. Yes. Sorry. Don't want to confuse those guys. But, and Corpus, <laughs> Corpus was atrocious. Um, and I mean, a week, I think it was a week later, he handed, he had to give the ball back to street and street was great for the rest of the season was phenomenal. And, and basically street has been since for the most part, the same kind of guy. We know he gets injured occasionally, uh, occasionally has problems. Uh, uh, I think particularly with command of the, his, his change up and uh, fastball, but for the most part is a guy you basically have to worry about the health of. And <clears throat> I think this is, this is a situation where hurdle will probably be pretty liberal, uh, in a similar situation, I don't think he wanted to to uh, to take the job permanently away from Gurley if he didn't have to. Mm-hmm. I think it's a situation that he learned from is what I'm trying to say. Right. And I think, I mean, he's he's been a lot more, I, I look at guys who have learned on the job and have learned from their mistakes and things like that. To me, Hurdle has been that type, and I think that that's why he fits. And he learns a lot. Uh, Pirates have taken a, a very holistic approach to pitching and 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 to as far as things like statistical evaluation right. they really brought that into the into the into the foray and he's been really open-minded about implementing things that they suggest 
So I think that this is a situation where he may be, you know, he, he uh, he's he's going to not he's not going to make any knee jerk reactions or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I think if these problems persist, say we're somewhere in the mid May, end of May, and these are still some uh, occasional things, then we there's a very good potential that for Melanson to supplant him in the role. Yeah, I mean, when I'm looking at where the things are going wrong, his his numbers against his fastball are still the same. It's the slider. That's the big difference right now. I mean, the, the whiff rate on the slider has gone from every other pitch to one of every three pitches right now. The you know the percentage of balls put in play, 28% last year in the slider, 40% this year. So it's really the slider that's giving him trouble. Uh, the batting average against is not terribly high, but it's just not getting the same. It's not the same put-away pitch that it was for him last year. Maybe that can adjust. I guess the encouraging thing is the numbers on the fastballs uh, are still the same. Uh, the batting average is a tad higher. It's just uh, the, the, the percentage of strikes is about the same. Even the percentage of pitches in the zone, maybe it's just... Again, the difference between command and control. Control is finding the strike zone. Command is putting it where you need to in the strike zone. Maybe this is a command issue uh, as much as it is a control issue overall. But I, I'm if if we, we we've talked about the uh, the Billy Hamilton concernometer on this show before. So if I were to say the the, the closer concernometer here for me on a on a uh, twenty to eighty scale for him, it's about a sixty. Okay. And I, I think what's concerning, like you talk when you talk about it. I mean, if, if, first of all, considering that the slider has been a really effective pitch for him, uh, and that's not the case now, is it a question? Is again, is it just a question of is it command? I mean, the the batted ball data is against him, against him suggests that guys are just they're absolutely drilling the ball. I mean, uh, for instance, if he were to have a have a high bat up against or something like that, I mean, right. you know, even more fly balls against him, the line drive rate is sky high. Um, is it it? it the signs aren't good. Uh, I mean, it's a question of is this something that he could work out on the side? I mean, the, the as far as uh, getting the slider back. But if he doesn't, if it's a pitch that he doesn't have confidence in, I mean, if you turn any closer, uh, most closers are you know are, are a two pitch type. Mm-hmm. You turn any into a one pitch. If you make anybody predictable, you're going to beat them. It doesn't matter how good one pitch is. Uh, with the exception of people like Tony Singrani. Yeah, or Kenley Jansen and, and the way he's throwing the 98-mile-hour cutter this year. Uh, yeah. So guys on the way back, we do have several guys on the way back. This weekend, since the last show, Jose Reyes has been activated off the disabled list, uh, and Mark Teixeira came back off the disabled list today for the Yankees. Those are the two big names I could think of right away. But we have several guys that should come back sometime during this week. So if you are in a weekly league, these are names to take a look at. Mill, uh, I always say Mill Whittlebrooks. I always say his name wrong. Will Middlebrooks is supposed to be back by this weekend. Same thing with Adrian Beltre. Both of those guys should be back this weekend. And Matt Harrison. I, mean, I think the Matt Harrison one's shocking to me. I mean, Lord knows Texas needs pitching right now. And I didn't think he was going to make it back until closer to Derek Holland, maybe Memorial Day. But Matt Harrison's supposed to be back this weekend. And reports out of Frisco, I mean, he went eight scoreless ending in double A and only needed 86 pitches to do it. So, that's a good sign. If you can get pick him up uh, in the league, that's something worth doing is the way pitchers are dropping like flies. Shane Victorino could be activated by the middle of this week, and once he comes in, it's going to be Daniel Nava that's going to go out the door. Nava has options, and he's frankly, he's terrible right now. I mean, I, I have all the progress that he made last year, it, it's just out the window, and the problem with him, his batting average and balls in play is a buck 40. I don't care what you're doing, man. You cannot... If you're only at a buck forty, that's just not going to work out. And they don't have the, they don't have the time to let him work through that at the major league level. He has options. They need a roster spot. It's going to be him that goes down. The big thing they cited there, uh, which 
is something that, again, more and more teams are taking stuff like this into account, thank goodness, is Jackie Bradley's defense in center field is what is makes them a more complete team and a more complete defense specifically. Uh, and that's something that they're glad to have. Moving size more out of center and in the left is, is definitely worked out to be beneficial, and they can put up with Bradley even if he hits 220. Yeah, I mean, that is an, absolutely a good point because they need to have that. And, and frankly, Bradley's looked better at the plate. He, he dis, doesn't look as overmatched as he was last year. That was a big issue for him. He's looked better, yeah. so that's going to be a case. Uh, other The big pitching news uh, is Cole Hamels will be back Wednesday, and, and that's fantastic news. I know if Phillies, you, you the Philly fan, my, my, one of my best friends, Glenn, is thrilled that Cole Hamels will be back. Uh, it's going to be a matchup against the Dodgers right out of the gate, so that's a little tough, but at least he's back. So that's good news. And same thing if you're a, a, another starting pitcher, Jake Arrieta should be back this weekend. If you're in an NL-only league, I recommend getting Arrieta. I have him in an 18-team oh. mixed league, and I have him in my 10-team home league. I uh, the guy is always. I mean, I've, I've had a bit of a soft spot for him. Always uh, has thrown up clunker. I mean, he almost no hit the Cardinals last season. I think that that shows you his potential. And it was no hits with a lot of strikeouts. I mean, there wasn't a lot of luck involved as far as that or anything like that. I mean, it was uh, it was a fantastic start, and I think he was drilled for like five or six hundred runs in the next one out. And that's just the kind of madness it goes. I mean, he, he he's he's one of these guys who can be incredibly inconsistent. Mm-hmm. But you take a guy like this with the talent there. I mean, we've seen this with a number of pitchers that have had this opportunity where if you take them off an, uh, an AL team and move them to an NL team where it's just strictly throw them out there and give them the opportunity, I mean, the the, the talent has a, a lot better chance, I think, of coming out uh, in this kind of environment. And so uh, you can put up with the eventual uh, – with the occasional clunkers if uh, he's pitching well and all the others. And it, and uh, I think that the opportunity there for those kind of things to even out is going to be – this is going to make this a much more intriguing opportunity, at least in the only leagues. Agreed. I mean, with him, after, once he made the trade, once he came over from Baltimore, it looked really good. The issue was, you know, the one start you're talking about, seven innings, a two-hit baseball, seven strikeouts – two walks in that one and but the two starts after that walked four against the nationals walked five against the dodgers and that was it after that he had a he had an excellent month of september and yes september is a small sample size and it you know gets muddied up because you've got you know a lot of rookies and a lot of free swingers trying to, to showcase their skills to, to come up and that happens but it was a you know he won three of his five starts his era was three his whip was under one and it just flashes the potential there. So, again, I own him an 18-team mixed league, 10-team home league. So I'm, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. Uh, on the closer side, David Robertson will be back on Tuesday in, in the role for the Yankees. So if you've missed him, the, he was only on DL the minimum time. So he's back. Conversely, there's been some guys with some trouble. Desmond Jennings has been about pretty much most of the week at this point. He hurt a his groin in that cold-weather game in Baltimore. And the team really didn't say anything publicly about it until uh, yesterday, until sa- until Saturday. So he's been limited to pitch hitting duty. He has not been able to run the bases. He was he was testing it out today, uh, and it didn't sound like he was going to go on the disabled list. And they they're off on Monday, so he should be in the lineup Tuesday against Minnesota. Uh, but that's why you haven't seen Desmond Jennings in. If they were going to deal him, it would have happened after the game today. And so they can get somebody called up in time for Tuesday. Uh, Michael Kadire has been out with a sore hamstring. And they don't know if he's going to avoid the disabled list. But the other one that concerns me is Adam Eaton. He has a sore ankle. And they're keeping him out of games and any activity for three days. And then making a decision. So he may be a retroactive. And same thing with Kadire. Both of these guys could be retroactive DL stints. For me, if I had either of these guys, they'd both be out of my lineup this week. What about you? 
Yeah, same thing. Uh, if I have an alternative, I mean, uh, unless it's Darwin Barney or something, not <laughs> Darwin Barney class. Uh, I'm the I'm Darwin fine. Barney hit a home run yesterday. Still can't get any respect. Yeah. Good lord. <laughs> well, yeah, but that that's just because you know that the next one's not coming for like three months. So <laughs> if I ever. Think, yeah, uh, I mean, I think I, I'm I'm looking for alternatives for for those guys, and yeah, I mean, those the things that concern me about situations like that, like you said, when it when a guy is he's going to be evaluated again in three days. I want to say is Eden was Eden the case where he ran into the wall, outfield wall making a catch or something like that? It was one of those. It, yeah, I think he got. I think he hit the bottom part of the wall. I remember if I was listening to it right, I believe he got when he went to go get the ball. Something happened. He, his foot hit the bottom part, uh, the gap between the, the padding and the and the ground, and something happened there. Yeah, and well, to me, like, and I, I want to. This is something I, you know, I hope to catch a replay of or something like that. I would like to see it. But when you know, when you get an injury like this, and it immediately causes them to be sitting out and evaluated in three days, chances are, like, it's just. It, it, I, I've sprained my. I have. I play uh, indoor soccer, and I have sprained my ankles more times than I care to count. And uh, those situations just they they don't go away easily. So no, they I mean, don't. I think they'd be much smarter to play it safe. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't be expecting to depend on uh, specifically him. And and again, a similar situation with Kadir. It's not a guy I would be looking to rely on. Yeah, I mean teams don't like playing shorthanded, uh, and you know for them to take this chance, that means it's at least fifty fifty that he could go on the disabled list uh, with yeah. this. So they don't like playing shorthanded, and they use a special. You can't really afford to play special right. so short. Right, you can't, especially a team like the White Sox, who carries two DHs uh, with yeah. Conurco <laughs> and Dunn. It, they're extremely limited without him out there. So it, it makes, it, I mean, they've had to start Jordan Danks. Yeah, he had home runs today. Who cares? But yeah, that's it. I don't know even who would have been their reserve outfielder had he gotten hurt because that, their, de- their depth chart is just those four Adam guys. Dunn. Yeah, it could have been. Oh, that would have been great. But I don't yeah, I know if they you, have, I don't even know their depth charts any you, deeper than that. I think he played some innings in the spring in the outfield just for this kind of occasion, but at the time it didn't necessarily look like to be it looked to be a problem with when Garcia was still healthy and mm-hmm. they were trying to trade Deaza and I, I mean I think what makes this situation I I, I don't want to let's let's not completely dismiss Jordan Danks because uh, last year he he was uh, he was a great fill in at times for them I mean I think he has a capability of hitting for some power and hitting for hitting two fifty. He had a fantastic spring. I mean, he hit like 500 and, and hit like four home runs part-time. Yeah, so did Mike Again, Moustakis, spring, this bitter Mike thing. Moustakis owner. <laughs> hey, and, and Moustakis is showing some – I think I think what – to me, what uh, I'm going to take some satisfaction out of the fact that Moustakis continues to turn – I mean, he's slowly kind of waking up. And I think – I mean, to me, the, the, the uh, really exciting thing about Moustakis that I saw in the spring, I, was, I watched a good number of uh, parts of the Royals games and watching him and, and – the swing looked a lot shorter. It looked kind of Chase Utley style, if I do say, if I can say so. And I think that that, that was a huge, that made a huge difference or can make a huge difference for him. I think, I mean, that's going to give him the opportunity to get the stuff inside at the same time. Uh, he can, I mean, he can still uh, ex- uh, get the full extension. And I mean, he's the type of guy, he's a really frustrating player, but I, I think that if, I would like to think that this is maybe a kind of a Robinson Cano situation of say like seven years ago when he had like he hit like 100 in April and then like hit 290 the rest of the season and his average ended up being like 250 and nobody wanted him next year and it's like hey Mustagas could have a great year the rest of the year and everybody's still panning him and saying oh this is this guy sucks and da 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 but there's a lot of talent there there's and there's some power let's not completely dismiss him yet and give up on him if you still have him. 
which I do in a league. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm still happy to, to hang on and see what happens. I mean, I spent 10 bucks on him on, on Tout Wars, and it wasn't that I, I was targeting him. And it wasn't that yeah. I was it, I was not even looking at spring training stats. I didn't care. But yeah. I just looked at it, and I'm yeah. like, okay. I had him down as an $11 player. So, yeah, it worked yeah. out. But you know, today he went 0 for 4 in the game, only saw 12 pitches, struck out once, and his slash line is now 125, 206, 268. The good news is they don't have anybody else, so he's going to keep playing. Uh, so that's that's there with with him, and that's where he's going to be. Conversely, guys who are on the disabled list, Adam Lind is going to be out for a little bit with back trouble, and Juan Francisco, somebody they had signed a few weeks ago, is go, is up to replace him. Tanner Shepherds is on the DL with muscle and ERA inflammation after he got bombed the <laughs> other day. When he comes back, he's going to the bullpen. This, this starting thing has, has to end. It, it's terrible. I think so. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, I mean, Robbie, uh, to me, Robbie Ross deserved a rotation spot before Shepard's did. I know Shepard's pitched really well in the spring, right. but uh, yeah, I think that he's, I wrote, I wrote, he was he was part of my waiver wire right up earlier in the week on Wednesday, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that he, had, he, had, he has more staying power in rotation, and it was a starter throughout the minors, whereas Shepard's, I mean, yeah, the that experiment has never proven fruitful at any other time. It's, it's interesting to me that Texas would consider uh, making him the opening day. Well, they had no uh, all, all other alternatives, but Shepard's as opening day starter says a lot about their pitching situation at the time. I mean, they're <laughs> almost going to be full strength when they get Harrison back this week. Darvis Perez, Ross Lewis, uh, and Harrison. And right now they've got Nick Martinez up. I think Nick Martinez is going to make one more start. Uh, they called him back up recently. I think he's going to make a start this week, and then he'll go back down. The way I the way I see this uh, shaking out here with him. So at least they're almost full strength now. So this should help. Casey Jansen's going to be at at least two more weeks. Uh, now he's got lower back and abdomen issue. And if, you, if we follow the kinetic chain for pitching, Casey Jansen's missed time in spring training of the regular season with a shoulder soreness, upper back, lower back, oblique slash abdomen. I don't know if the situation is ever going to work itself out. Clearly, his body is compensating for something. And every time he adjusts, it that adjustment make something else worse. And this was a guy I was running from. I, I picked up Santos or targeted him in drafts. And I know he hasn't been the smoothest thing for Santos, but at least he's pitching and at least he's getting saves. Two things Jansen's not doing. Yeah. I, well, the thing that concerned me, I, I mean, I wasn't, I, I was a fan of Jansen, especially last season, uh, just because I thought he was extremely undervalued for the type great of skills. skills. Great. Yeah. And, and the thing that, the only, I mean, the the shoulder issue, that the fact that it popped up again when this was a season where he was no longer coming off surgery and then he had a full winter to rest and kind of do a normal routine, that is what concerned me a little bit. And I really wasn't sure how to handle the situation. I didn't end up with him in any league, so I'm certainly not sorry about it. But as you said, the, the fact that there seems to be evidence that maybe he's compensating, it's like, are the Jays giving him enough, enough downtime coming off all these things? I mean, for the sake of saying, okay, let's – uh, we will have to build him back up. I mean, first of all, it doesn't take that long to build up a reliever, but to, I mean, are they not giving him enough time and stressing to him the importance of the Jays have had a number of players who in, in the past have for some reason or another seem to have uh, been kind of had a penchant for kind of hiding injuries or hiding how much injuries have affected them. Cause it always comes out later that they have these guys. And I'm, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but there's been a, even a, a several big names. Um, so I think that that's uh, BJ Ryan, I think is the first one that comes to mind is like the first big scenario of that case, uh, which was, I mean, 
we could go on forever talking about that. That was that's a laugher. But um, I mean, it, it's a situation that I would be pretty scared of. I mean, this is it, it has the feeling of something where it's you know he's he's going to be out till midseason kind of thing just because of uh, the way that he's developed at this point. If they just sat him down for X number of weeks and said, okay, whatever that date was, now let's give him an extra week just to make sure. Right. And then and then say, look, let's go back and make sure the mechanics are like they used to be and everything. Yeah. Then maybe and I would be a lot more confident in it. But the fact that they continue to kind of revisit this in, in such short intervals is what really makes me concerned about this for the long term. Uh, agreed. One other thing, another thing I wanted to jump back and looked at rotation wise, something I failed to mention because this pitcher didn't get hurt. But another terrible outing today. Carlos Carrasco uh, is looks bad, and I bring this up because Trevor Bauer looks fantastic in AAA. He looked great yeah. against the Padres when he came up for that one start, and the AAA numbers are good. And I would think, especially if you're doing Fab or something, Trevor Bauer may be in this rotation very soon. Do me a favor and don't post this podcast just in case anybody on Tau in Tau Wars will be listening to it because I was gonna. I seriously, he was. I was. I'm debating between making my first or second priority. And I don't think anybody's going to be targeting him there for se, per se. And uh, I mean, I, thank goodness for the victory system because I might put down three or four. I mean, the strikeout potential is unreal. And the fact that the walks, if the walks are really down like they've been in his first few starts, I mean, the excitement that this guy can deliver as far as your fantasy team goes with the strikeouts is phenomenal. I mean, he's 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 the type of pitcher with the arsenal that has the ability to limit hits. I mean, where we're not looking at saying a guy's, oh, uh, his, his bad with his 270 or 280, there's going to be some correction coming sooner or later. He has the ability to keep that down, I think, on a consistent basis because uh, of the type of hard stuff that he throws. So I think I, he's really exciting, and I, I was actually kind of excited to see how bad Carrasco was again today because he yeah, belongs to me. Selfishly, still the same the type, thing. <laughs> <laughs> and the type of, I mean, at, at risk of playing, you know, kind of amateur psychologist. I mean, he has that type of, or uh, that kind. Of, I mean, I don't think he has that type of mound presence to be a, a guy who can go out every five days and give you seven innings consistently. No, he has that kind of ability. I think he belongs in the bullpen. He pitched extremely well in the bullpen once they put him in there last season. Yes, he did. That's where. He, this this could be you know closer 2015 or something like that if they if they were to stick with it. Is it Bud Norris belongs in the bullpen too. I mean we've seen a few. Uh, uh, I would love to see some of these teams do this and just kind of like get away from this idea of like well we know he has talent so let's see how long we can hang on to the dream of making him a starter and that's what he wants to be and just sit him down and say look buddy fact of the matter is is you're just not cut out to be a starting pitcher and uh, we have alternatives and one of them is Trevor Bauer and it's time to see what this kid can do. Yeah, it, you know who has two thumbs and and has Trevor Bauer and AL Tatworks? This guy. So I I have I drafted him for a dollar because I got I actually had looked at Brad Peacock and I had looked at Carlos Carrasco and, and somebody else and Endgame and I got snaked twice by by Podhorzer and and one time by Chandler. So I took Bauer because I looked at look I'm looking at the pile of crap that's left and I'm like, well I'm gonna take Helixson because I can stash him on the disabled list so that works out. And well, hell, I'll take Trevor Bauer. And then I couldn't use him in the uh, in that one start because it was a midweek thing, and I can't activate yeah. a guy unless I had somebody hurt. So I was like, okay, well, let's just keep an eye on this Carlos Carrasco situation, and it is doing quite poorly. So I, uh, when I saw that start today, I was like, oh, giggity, maybe I can actually get to use him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, that's. It's a similar situation. Like I have, uh, I mean, I have both Mike Miner and Doug Fister on the DL, and I have a, a couple of chances I took on guys like a Josh Beckett, who's turned out may really be working out for me. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm in a situation now where I was kind of scared about the pitching, and I'm, I'm hoping, 
uh, that I have a surplus, but I want to make room for a Bauer. And I think I, I think that it's it's worth that kind of thing uh, is to is to make room for this kid because we know the type of potential and the fact that he seems to really turn things around with the mechanical tweaks he made in the offseason. Uh, I mean, it's hard to argue with the results. I think I, I, I always wondered if, if it was a kid who in the minor leagues, I mean, they 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 messed with a lot with his with his uh, with his windup last season, and he wasn't always getting good results. But then I think he could get away with some things at times because the strike zones aren't quite as tight down there. And when he came up, it was a real shock to I mean, come out and walk five, six, seven guys, and it's like it was like nothing. I mean, he could do it. He could still get away with it. And he had a couple of okay starts right. because of it. But I mean, if if this is a guy who's not walking anybody, I mean, it is. Looked out, it, and, and he's throwing mid to upper nineties. I mean, that that started against San Diego. I mentioned it was a sweet matchup for him because the Padres are a heavily right-handed lineup. Um, they do struggle against fastball slider type pitchers, and that's one of the things that was one of the first fantasy daily notes that I was doing in the ESPN. And I mentioned Bowers a terrific matchup. Get in on it, and and it worked out well for him. And I, and I remember there was one start against Tampa Bay last year with Bauer. He walked the first four guys of the game. And he did it. He did it on seventeen pitches. Sixteen of his first seventeen pitches were balls. He didn't make it out of the first inning. Uh, and the thing was really complicated is last year. If it was a lefty on the mound, he or the plate rather, he pitched from the first base side of the rubber. If it was a righty, he pitched from the third base side of the rubber. This is a guy who couldn't find the strike zone, and he kept moving around on it. So this year, one of the things talking with a friend who watches the, the lot, he said he's not moving. He's right, in the, he's staying in the same spot. I think that's a good thing for him. And when you're, you're that inconsistent with your command of your pitches, stop moving around. <laughs> so uh, that's yeah, it. Yeah, oh, go ahead. Somebody, yeah, somebody needs to walk out at some point and say, "Hey, dude, you're not hitting the strike zone no matter where you're standing. Let's find one and stick with it, and get, let's work out issue one before we move on to." Uh, <laughs> specialization and, and which side of the rubber we're attacking. And from. I like the guy. I mean, you, you go and watch his YouTube videos. Go, you know, he knows pitching. It's it's fantastic what he does. He does a lot of stuff with with Kyle. He's incredibly Bo- smart. Yeah, very. He does a lot of stuff with Kyle Body from Driveline Mechanics. It's a lot of fun to listen to him talk about pitch grips and delivery and pronation and all that. He knows what he's doing. It's just a matter of sometimes, you know, getting your body to do what. To get everything done. The other uh, other pickup I saw today, Sam Fold was claimed by the Twins. And he's going to be on their major league roster. So if you're in a deep AL league and you need speed, Fold can do that. He can't hit, and I don't care if he gets playing time. Fold can't hit, but he did homer for the A's. I, that was I, he homered last year for Tampa Bay at a game I was at, and we're like we're in the clubhouse afterwards going. Did he really just hit a home run? Uh, but that, yeah, that did happen. He hit one against Minnesota in Minnesota for the A's this year. Jeez, but so yeah, he's and he, the thing is, he gets to come back to the scene of the crime because Minnesota's coming to Tampa Bay starting Tuesday. So he may get the biggest ovation of a former player besides James Shields uh, on Tuesday if he gets in. But if you're if you're hurting for speed in the AL and you have a few dollars, that may be a way to go. Let's close it up and looking at some guys. There's a lot of two start solutions this week. A lot of guys are going on two. Uh, on the notes that Nick and I are looking at that you you aren't privy to, uh, listeners, uh, we've got a bunch of them listed. Scanning over that list, Nick, who's one or two guys that jump out to you? Um, I'm going to take King Felix. Yeah, that oh, matchup oh, tomorrow. Oh, oh yeah, that matchup uh, tomorrow. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's that's a little too easy. Okay, how about another one? Uh, don't pitch R.A. Dickey for two starts. Um, you know what? One that really intrigues me is Jason Hamill, who's been really solid for the Cubs. Um, I'm interested to see, and I, I can't tell from your notations. Uh, it, I, I like I prefer 
oftentimes to get guys either, I mean, if, if it's away, I want them in a pitcher's park, obviously, or, mm-hmm. or home. Um, but uh, Arizona, just an atrocious situation right now. Uh, so I mean, it looks like a potentially good matchup. And then Milwaukee, obviously, we know it's it's good offensively, but it's it's a good start to the week, I think, with Arizona. And he's he, Hamill's, uh, as long as he's healthy, a uh, very effective potential. Uh, again, uh, guys moved to the, from the AL to the NL, a uh, much, uh, m- much simpler schedule, I think, as far as things go. And I mean, it has solid strikeout potential. So, I mean, he's he's a guy who kind of intrigues me, I think, uh, is, is, a, is a pretty solid, interesting two-star guy. There's a couple of guys for me. I'd like Willie Peralta against the Padres and the Cubs, especially that Cubs matchup. We saw Homer Bailey finally get on the, you know, get on the right track uh, today on being Sunday with him taking care of the Cubs over six innings and shutting them down. The Chris Sale double start this week. Sale has got uh, Detroit and Tampa Bay. I don't care what he does against Detroit because he's going to obliterate the Rays. Again, I mentioned (laughs) the Rays are one of the three worst teams in baseball as far as offense against left-handed pitching. Chris Sale has pretty much owned them throughout history. I mean, there was this game last year. I took my dad and my brother to it on Memorial Day. It was Sale versus Moore. And Sale struck out 15. <laughs> it was a ridiculous, just mowed through them. I mean, it was two years ago, but just absolutely mowed through them with that. But Sale was going to cut that lineup uh, right in half, and there's really nothing they're going to be able to do about it. So that's going to be such a terrific matchup. All he's got to do is tread water against Detroit, and that's going to work. Conversely, you may look at David Price as a two-start guy, see Minnesota, see the White Sox, and go, hey, let me get all over that. Look at what happened to Ordano Ventura today. He didn't make it through five innings. He was done after four innings, six runs and everything. The Twins, and this flies well under the radar, if you look at pitches 95 miles an hour and, and harder, the Twins are the best team in the league in hitting those pitches. And, and, uh, really? It's really crazy what they're able to do. That was one of the things I wrote. When I, when I do the daily notes at ESPN, we have to write notes. And let me pull it up because I actually went in there and said, hey, don't go this way. Uh, for that because that's one of the things that, that's out there with them is they are able to, I, I pulled it up and it was something about 175 pitches. So it was a decent amount of. Yeah, that's a good sample. At dec- this point. A decent uh, amount. Let me see. I got the note here just a second. Cause it's, it was, I, when I looked it up, it surprised me because I was just looking for something saying, you know, that's such an obvious matchup. Ventura, everybody wanted to watch that game. Here it was. So don't let the Ventura matchup deter you. The twins have hit a league best 406, 524, 625 against pitches thrown at least 95 miles an hour of the season. They've, they've faced 173 of those types of pitches, swinging at 76, missing just 11. And ESPN has this, this subjective well-hit average figure. 242 <laughs> was the second best in the league behind the Chicago White Sox. So yeah. that's my – if I'm looking at that with pricing, oh, two-start week, jump, <laughs> Good jump news the is, gun. Good news is his price doesn't really sit 95 or higher anymore. More does he? He's more like 92, 92 well, 93. Well, he's, he's, yeah, like, but a little bit. But that's kind of where I'm but not I know, I know terribly exactly excited where you're about. Yeah. yeah, I'm not terribly yeah. excited about this because yeah. you know, the, quietly they but, can hit their fastballs. Teams have been surprises early on, and, and, and I mean, as far as the record goes, and, and particularly I think offensively, Minnesota, Chicago's offense was atrocious last year, and it's actually been solid this year. But they they're they're prone to the swoons with the strikeouts and all that thing. Uh, with all that, I think that. I mean, they're not necessarily a team that you always have to fear, but both teams have been surprises at times, and they have guys who can work the count a little bit here and there. And but Minnesota, especially, 
with with Colabello, with uh, some some comeback with uh, Kubel. I mean, I think there's some legitimacy to both of those guys, although they won't keep up the kind of paces that they're on. Um, right. At least as far as deep leagues, very deep leagues are concerned. I, I mean, it's it's a lineup that I, I'm already looking at and saying that maybe end up being. Uh, I mean, Willingham is on the DL. Uh, they have Pinto that they can plug in. A lot of this is going to depend on how flexible the roster is. And I didn't really see a, much of an upgrade as far as uh, Mastriani, uh, cutting Mastriani and coming to Fold. But uh, I know that they, right. not a huge difference there, except for the fact that Fold is, uh, has more exposure at the MLB level. But the bottom line yeah, is that you can play all three positions in the outfield. Okay. Yeah, that's that's probably huge because I don't think uh, Mastriani is pretty much strictly a center, center fielder. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, bottom line is the Minnesota's lineup may be a little longer than we look at, or at least it's a little more balanced. Um, and uh, so it's not necessarily uh, – it's not your father's Minnesota Twins. No. Maybe it's – And Jose, and Jose Pinto, Pinto he, may not hitting, he may not be hitting for batting average, but he had his fourth home run today, and he has driven in eight. But I McCullabell mean, has driven in 20 runs already. Plouffe has 13 yeah. driven in. Kubel has 11. I mean, that's, that's fantasy zombie Ooh. material. Yeah. Ploof is uh Ploof is not even hitting for power. It's, I mean, he's like he has a high average or something. Yeah, right? he's hitting three thirteen. Not... <laughs> yeah, you know that's going to come down, but eventually he's going to start hitting home runs too. So and then Kurt Suzuki's got fourteen runs driven in. I mean, between them, they're, they're catching duo. They have twenty two runs driven in. Suzuki is at least hitting for average. So somehow Suzuki's pulling these offensive numbers, but Pinto's been DHing for him. Kubel played the outfield today. That's kind of where the situation goes. So they're surprisingly pulling in that. They were six for 14 with runners in scoring position. Again, this was off Ventura. This was off Louis Coleman. This was off Marks. And Mary, I mean, they got to the bottom end of the bullpen eventually, and they actually got Phil Hughes a win. So I'm thankful for that because Lord knows he needs them. Yeah, with that, that's just, it's a crazy situation. You look at Minnesota, you're like, okay, you know, what's going on here? I, I see their their fans say, God, this team's unwatchable. But then I look at these results, I'm like, really? So, so your pitching stinks, but your offense is actually pretty good. I mean, that, and that's usually why people want to go to the ballpark, isn't it? I mean, for the most part. You would Not think. me. I mean, I, I, I'm, I still love me a good pitching matchup, but, uh, you know, the average fan wants to go see some runs. And, uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's – I think I think if uh, if you're a Twins fan, considering that there's a little bit of talent in the pipeline and the team is doing okay, I mean you don't really have much of an excuse to continue to stay away unless you want to be called strictly a fair weather fan. Besides, it's a great ballpark. I love Target Field. I would like to check that out. I have I've, there's a lot of ballparks I've not visited, but that looks like a really cool uh, really cool stadium to see uh, on TV. Yeah, my next stadium is going to be Miami. I'm going down there for interleague play in June uh, to go check that out before I move out of the state. Uh, and that'll leave me with seven left, which will be Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Seattle, Washington, New Yankee Stadium, Kansas City, and um, Seattle. Unless I've already said oh, that. Wow. Yeah, well, I've been I've been to twenty three, and uh, it's fun. That's part of my old old job. I was able to travel and catch some of those games, so it worked out well. Uh, that's it for episode one hundred nine. If there are any, since this was the first one, those are the topics we kind of went with. But there are, if there are some other topics that you would find helpful for us to discuss to help you prepare for the week ahead, let us know yeah. in the comment section so we can address that next time. And this should be posting by ten o'clock Eastern Sunday. I don't know if it's going to help. If it needs to be earlier, let us know. With today being Easter, that was a little difficult to record earlier, so that's why the time is uh, like this. But just let us know. Give us feedback since it was the first Sunday show, and let us know. Any final thoughts for people? Um, no. Good luck. There we go. Okay, guys. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>